Paul Teron, the Managing Director of Vestact, in studio with me this evening. We're doing the business blunders. And Paul Teron um, is a naughty man who looks for the coolest stories from around the globe. He's also got some local crackers as well. I, I like good business opportunities, Paul. Mm. No, that's true. One must always look for a good business opportunity. Now, I'm told, Bruce, that game farming in South Africa is a fabulous business. You know, all you need is a fence. You come from a farming background. Yes, but it's a bit like in the Eastern Cape. They used to tell stories about how, you, how do you make a fence uh, goat-proof because goats <laughs> are like the national treasure of the Eastern Cape. And they say you, you build your fence and you make it as strong as you possibly can. Mm-hmm. Then you stand on one side with a bucket of water and you throw the bucket of water at the fence. Right. And if one drop goes through the fence a goat can get through it too. And so you can't keep animals easily fenced in, I'm afraid, Paul Teron. It's not that simple. But like compared to raising cows or growing crops which need rain, game farming... Oh, they look after themselves. Uh, exactly. And then you can resell them for fortunes. We all know the stories about, you know, the golden... What is it? Sable or the buffaloes that sell for millions. We talked to Cyril and Norman Adamy about things and like that. And you can that. stand on well. the stoop in your Senku Riverwear and survey your realm. <laughs> Tuto. But, you yes. know, small note to aspirant game farmers. Look out for low-level bridges no. on the highway. Oh, it's a terrible story, that. Criminal charges, SPCA. And I hope the, I hope the book is taken and thrown at the twit who instructed those giraffes to be taken on that highway From yesterday. Alberton to Camildrift uh, or something. No. Actually, the business blunder of the, of the century... But, you know, let's lighten up this thing. It, it just reminds me of the boy at school that I was with that they used to call giraffe, Bruce. <laughs> it wasn't because he was tall. It was because of all the spots. There we go. <laughs> uh, mining in Africa. Um, mining is, I mean, it has been for a century one of the big foreign currency earnings for, for the African continent. How is this possibly a blunder? Yeah, I'm going to stick with the animal theme here. So, you know, big money, big returns in African mining, right? Because we're looking for elephant-sized deposits. Because apparently for elephant-sized deposits, only one continent will suffice, and that's Africa. Because it's like a duck shoot, you know, the juicy opportunities swinging from the trees, all the low-hanging fruit, right? Yes. Well, consider Rio Tinto, because it found a brilliant coal field, apparently, one of the last huge coal fields in the world in northern Mozambique some years ago, yep. cleverly acquired Australian company that owned these prime properties for a mere $3.7 billion. What a wonderful opportunity. What a bargain. And they were going to float the coal down a barge on the Zambezi, but then they forgot about the crocodiles and Renamo and the absence of a port. Coal price plunged. No, we don't want that stuff anymore. Well, and so what happens when a company takes that amount of money, invests that amount of money, and just pours it into the bottomless coal pit? Well, they just take a write-down. So in this instance, they sold the whole asset to some Indians for $50 million. What? From how much? $3.7 billion. Exactly. And that's not the only one this week. So we've got Exaro, which had that African iron ore deposit, which yes. they also bought for three billion rand this time to get it a asset called Mayoko, which was in the Republic of Congo. And then they spent another one point seven billion dollars proving it up. And this week decided to write it all off. Poof. Everything. Gone. Good. Yes. No, it's not worth anything apparently anymore. How so, is that even possible? Well at the end of the day it sort of depends on people's outlook for the commodity. Yeah. 
And it sort of depends on what other people have told them about the quality of the asset and the couple of holes that they've drilled in it. And then you drill a few more and it turns out it's more like an Emmental than a piece of character. <laughs> so, I don't know. This is even worse than the giraffe story. No, but it is. It's diabolical. I mean, the tens of billions of dollars that are written off and management teams, no doubt, take huge bonuses at the end of each year anyway, which is why people get cross about executive salaries when the guys make silly mistakes like that. Products of the week. You love a good product story. Yes, over the years in the Blunder Laboratory, we've come up with a couple of good products. This week, I'm going to tell you about a new luxury item, Bruce, selling for over $4,000 a pair. 40,000 rand. These are zoo-stressed jeans. These are not just ordinary fresh jeans, because as you well know, an ordinary pair of jeans made from spectacular Flawless net denim. Yes. Just won't do. You need holes in them. You need pre-stressed look. <laughs> so some conservationists in Japan have struck on a perfect idea. What they do is they take raw sheets of denim, you know, just plain sheets of denim, yes. and they wrap them around car tires, okay? Then they fling them into the lion enclosure at the Tashi Zoo. <laughs> And then they take them out a week later after the lions have shredded, tuned them, dragged them around for a while. Then they stitch them up into jeans yes and then they put them out on auction for four thousand dollars a pop fabulous how's that a blunder that's spectacular if people are stupid enough to pay that kind <laughs> of money for a tatty pair of jeans the blunders well, I on don't them. Know. i'm just wondering what kind of style they use for these particular jeans like for example do you think they have a button fly because you know bruce button flies are fabulous for when you feel like solving a puzzle before you <laughs> pee on yourself and i'm also thinking that perhaps in addition to having holes, there must be those really tight jeans. You know, the ones when you put them on, you have to grunt like one of the Williams sisters. <laughs> this could be, I mean, I can understand how they would sell those for 4000 no, no, plus. I'm beginning to see the business model. It's fabulous. Now, you're, you're a big fan of online. You haven't bought a, a proper book in years. Um, you read nothing on paper anymore. Mm-hmm. You just use laptops and iPads <laughs> and technology because you are a man of the 21st century. Tell me about why you think WeVorce is a bad idea. Yeah, this is a new business. So this is not uh, an online uh, Burevorce seller. WeVorce is, in fact, a Silicon Valley, where else, startup, which aims to streamline the process of getting divorced by bringing it into an online environment. So it's got a very nice-looking website. What it says in the spiel on the website is, WeVorce aims to replace the standard 2 attorney fight for years process let me restate that yes. the standard two attorney fight for years process with a scalable network of mediators in a trusted <laughs> online environment if you want to lose absolutely everything you've ever earned well i suppose you know we must be positive because as we know in countries like america more than 50 percent of marriages yeah. do end in divorce so it seems legit you should try to make it a bit more streamlined but I got to thinking as I was trawling this website that um, maybe these guys are thinking too small, Bruce, rather than too big. Right. I'm thinking that what they should really do, and this is perhaps the blunder, is that they should bolt it onto the back of the online dating site. <laughs> <laughs> like I saw you were going on on TV about Ashley Madison this weekend and t- Tinder and sites like that. So yes. you could have this like end-to-end business model where you find someone on Ashley Madison or Tinder, you get married, you discover the unfortunate truth about them, you activate the WeVorce application, and in the process, you earn loyalty points. 
you get like a discount on your next marriage. You are wasted in the world of asset management. Paul Teron, the managing director of Vestac this evening, is a naughty man and he finds some of the greatest stories from around the world of blunders. And we are surprised, constantly surprised, by the fresh force of fresh content that Paul Teron manages to trawl up every single week. There's another one, Paul. I've, I've got to ask you your view. I remember mentioning this a week or two ago. But the Germans are in trouble over sausage. And some of the best sausage in the world comes from Germany. But they've been colluding on sausage. You know what I love about Germany is everybody's so bullish on Germany right now because, you know, the economy's doing well. They won the World Cup. Everybody's getting happy about Germany. But there were two stories this week. One, do you know that while they were having the celebration ceremony, somebody stole 10 trucks of beer from a warehouse outside of Berlin? Everybody wanted to celebrate. What a brilliant idea. And they smuggled it over the border. So that was pretty crafty. Yes. And then the other story, of course, is the one about the German sausage cartel, which has recently been busted. Absolutely. Why? And, and, and what's, the big, what's the big deal there? I mean, so they collaborated on sausage making. <laughs> so, well, it's good news in a way because this means there's going to be cheaper sausage all over Germany from, you know, pretty much immediately because of the collusion in the sausage sector is going to have been cracked down upon. So... Uh, you know, but Germans, people think they're the best, but actually they're the worst. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't even, it doesn't even warrant a response. Paul's around with the business blunders this evening. His teenage son is embarrassed.